0: hello and welcome to the big audio nightmare i am adam summers joined momentarily by mike sempervivi we actually just recorded about two hours of show and then the very second we pushed stop some major news broke uh, regarding new japan pro wrestling the resurgent show coming up on may 21st in long beach and the creation of a new championship that relates directly to a lot of the things we talk about later on in the show new japan announced that the strong Women's championship will be determined, will be decided in a one night tournament at Resurgence in Long Beach for wrestlers, uh, semifinals and finals, all on the same night. On one side of the bracket, Mercedes Monet, who we talk about in detail coming up on the podcast, against Stephanie Vaquera, who we've seen in CMLL uh, in addition to other places. On the other side of the bracket, it's Momo Kogo, which is an interesting name to see, given the concussion that she suffered uh, on the Stardom All Star Grand Queendom show again, which is talked about in great detail coming up on the podcast. Apparently, she is healthy enough to be announced for this show, and she's taking on in a bit of a surprise AEW slash ROH's Willow Nightingale. We've also seen in Tokyo Joshi Pro in recent months. Uh, The winners of those two matches will then wrestle each other later in the night in the final one would have to expect it would be mercedes Monet and willow nightingale in the final so that's that just wanted to make sure we got that in at the start of the show because it kind of in some ways answers or partially answers some of the questions that we raised later on in the podcast talking about new japan stardom uh, when we'll start to see more of that happening in the united states what could be happening with mercedes Monet on the show we have some of those answers now so with that We'll take you to the podcast proper. I'll throw it to myself, who will then throw it to Mike. Hey, Adam. Yes, Mike. Leapfrog. Leapfrog. I'm not sure if you're talking about any number of professional wrestling shows and matches that have taken place in the week since we've last recorded, or if you're talking about Jan Gomes leapfrogging Drew Smiley and ruining a perfect game. 2019
1: World Series winner, Jan Gomes, as the catcher, one of them, on the Washington Nationals. Yes, Drew Smiley, and boy did I feel bad about sending you a text as you were sitting there on that beautiful day in Chicago watching the Cubs and the Dodgers and watching your Cubs take a perfect game into the seventh inning. Into the eighth inning, Eighth I inning. And then
0: leapfrog. <laughs> if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, you have to Google it, people, or go on Twitter. If you just search Drew Smiley, Jan Gomes, you'll find it. And uh, I'm not going not gonna to throw too much shade Jan Gomes' way. He just went four for four a couple days ago. Uh, he's having a great season uh for the Chicago Cubs but man sitting there as the Cubs were up 13 to nothing and I'm getting greedy as each inning goes by I'm looking up at the old timey scoreboard in center field and I'm seeing zero hits and I know there have been zero blocks and it's feeling pretty perfect and then that happened and it was I think was the way I described it to you was the Cubs just lost a perfect game in the most Cubs way imaginable and that, that pretty much covered it. The only way it could have been worse is
1: if you somehow blew the lead, then lost the game on a pitch clock violation. But
0: yes, which gonna... would have been quite the accomplishment given they were up 13 to nothing <laughs> at that point. But again, Growing up a Cubs fan and continuing to be throughout my adult life, you never take anything for granted. Um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a good start for the Cubs, so I'm not going to complain too much. I believe they're five games over 500 after uh, their series winning victory today against the San Diego Padres.
1: Uh, the Washington Nationals certainly not, but I don't want to get any sort of pitch clock violation on uh, talking about wrestling here, and so the only squeal you will hear from me that does not have anything to do with wrestling is, uh, oh, in about 10 minutes or so when the Atlanta Falcons make their first draft pick, because I just gave away us recording this show on Thursday night with everything that we haven't talked about, including new champions in New Japan, but more than that, stardom's biggest show all time, all of our lives.
0: One hundred percent. Yes, we'll get to that uh, with New Japan, including today as we record this new champions being crowned on New Japan's show in Hiroshima. But yes, uh, we are the last and I would say the best to talk about the Stardom All-Star Grand Queendom 2023 show here on this website. As you said, the biggest show in Stardom history, it was just in terms of uh, the build-up to this, the matches. The attendance, which was just over 5,500, which I believe is almost exactly the same number that New Japan versus Noah had uh, earlier this year in the same building in Yokohama Arena. So that's a that's a positive. I think this is without a doubt the biggest uh, legitimate crowd in Stardom history.
1: Yeah, I think that's the key word. There is legitimate because there is the. Oh, God, how how many years are we going back now when it comes to... Yeah, that one the- retirement show where they claimed a lot
0: more people than they actually were there. I think even that, I think they only claimed like five, right? Five
1: thousand? It was something like that, which, again, is close to the legitimate number that, you know, or at least close enough to the legitimate number that they had. Now, I know Chris Charlton during the show said this was the biggest gate and... Hard for me to believe that just because even with the price difference that may have taken place with the Tokyo Dome show, I'm not sure if that would, would count, but let's say it, it went ahead and beat that. The well, only said other... The biggest
0: gate in, in stardom, or the, I think you said like the biggest gate for a Japanese women's professional wrestling show in decades. Ah, okay. So picked. that
1: would take care of that then. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, and there was the... WWE evolution show that took place on Long Island that did over 11,000 people and I think they claimed the gate was it was over 700,000 now of course the asterisk to that show was they went and announced that show after they announced their first show and their hookup with Saudi Arabia so that's why that show took place and why they never bothered to do one after it so it was also a sports entertainment show. So does that count? It's <laughs> exactly there. But, uh, you know, again, big, great, really surprised. Because obviously everybody that listened to us going into the thing, we gave our, our predictions and thought about, okay, what are going to be some of the title changes? And, man, keeping in, in tune to Bushi Road this year, when we talk about New Japan and stardom, I guess you don't know what's going to happen either because they went ahead and they flipped every single title on the show. One of which, in a very unique way, just to drive home the point that a title can change on a count out, but what that that that's what a way to look at that finish that <laughs> that is, that is I'm, I'm I'm taking the half glass full uh, approach with that one, but what did you think when you ended up you know watching the show and as things were clicking off, you ended up having every single title change, including Julia, which again, you can make the case as for why, but I think you know Iwatani over uh, Mercedes was okay. That was a, a far more believable title change to me going in than I thought Julia losing. Well, yeah, I
0: think last week we laid out that and it ended up not being the reason, like we pretty much said, well, if Mercedes Monet is done after this, my Iwatani wins, if she's staying, she keeps the title. Well, she lost the title, but she's staying at least for one more show at the Walter Pyramid in Long Beach, California, uh, but I don't know, to me as the show went along and it was, you know, champion after champion after champion after champion falling, I thought we were going to get the classic thing where you get all the title changes on the undercard of the show leading to the main event and it's supposed to make you think, oh, well, there's, you know, real good chance there's going to be a title change then in the main event as well. Like it's just what's in the air and then Julia would end up winning. That's not what ended up taking place. So.
1: I don't know. Exactly how to start if you want to start from main event uh, backwards or the opener going forward. But I will say this, I do want to make sure right off the bat to credit Chris Charlton, Sonny Gutierrez, and Mariah May for their performance because I thought that was the best Chris Charlton lead performance uh, we've heard yet. I thought he was strong. I thought he was good. I didn't think he was over the top. I thought Sonny was good in what he added. You know, he's coming along and Mariah May for getting thrown in there at the last minute. I thought did a solid job, and I thought the best thing that she did was when she didn't have anything to say. And and granted there was nobody prodding her to say, okay, say something, Mariah, or something like that. She just sat out and didn't Bigfoot anything by trying to be a commentator. I just thought the the how everything came across on the broadcast i really i thought they did a damn good job the the announcers
0: did oh 100% i think uh, right off the top chris charlton was incredible and, and to my knowledge this is maybe the third time he's ever been a lead play-by-play guy at least on a on a you know new japan or here obviously on a sardom show i recall two Korokin shows not all that long ago where kevin kelly wasn't there And they had him do live commentary uh, as the play-by-play guy. I mean, listening to him throughout the show, and this was a four or five-hour show that flew by. This is a promotion that he obviously is familiar with, but he does not call regularly. I thought it was one of the most impressive play-by-play jobs, given all those things that I've heard in a long time, to the point to where, and it's nothing against who I'm about to mention, but like when I, I was hearing Chris Charlton call this, I'm like is Kevin Kelly kind of redundant at this point? Not saying you don't need Kevin Kelly ever, but if we're in a situation where Kevin Kelly can't be there all the time to call all these shows, and I know uh, you know Chris Charlton has some family considerations as well as far as how, how often he travels outside of Tokyo to do shows, but my takeaway from this is that if Kevin Kelly can't be at a Tokyo or a Yokohama or even a, an Osaka show, And you're you're doing it live. There is zero reason to not just have Chris Charlton call that show live instead of wait a day or two to have Kevin Kelly do voiceover commentary. He was fantastic. Like you said, I thought Sonny was was good. He was totally fine in the spots that he he jumped in on. It reminded me a lot of, you know, when Chris Charlton first started doing shows here or there where it was, you know, Just bring in a a few points, you know, uh, you know, from time to time in the show. And then as things went along and he did more shows, you know, felt more comfortable jumping in and saying more things. But a lot of, you know, really good context and historical facts that you wouldn't have otherwise necessarily have had. And then I think your point on Mariah May is is really, really good in that she up until minutes before she was sitting there next to Sonny and Chris Charlton was not expecting to be doing that. We'll get to it uh, in the in the rumble. Uh, Momo Kogo got what looked to be a nasty concussion from the Harlem hangover uh, by my soccer eye. She was supposed to be the third person in the booth that had to change. Mariah may got thrown in there. And like you said, she did a great job of saying things when she felt like she had something important to say and otherwise laying out. It's a lesson that I would say almost every independent wrestling play by play or color commentator uh, in the States should learn that, you don't need to have the sound of somebody's voice over the match the entire time. There's value in laying out um, if you don't have something really, uh, really cogent to say. So, yeah, it was, it was a great broadcast. And I really hope that we'll see a lot more of of Chris Charlton on play by play for these big shows going forward. I'm going to jump
1: in Kevin's DMs and tell him that you said that he was redundant.
0: I said, well, I asked the question and really, again, That probably isn't the right way of saying it. But if the choice is between waiting for Kevin Kelly on certain shows where he isn't there in Japan or can't do live remote broadcasts, if the choice is between waiting a day or two to have him do uh, video on demand commentary or given the availability of Chris Charlton for a particular show, if he is available, having him just do the live commentary – I don't see how anyone after watching this show wouldn't choose having him to do live commentary, uh, including Your road. Absolutely. And
1: really Chris is a much like Ian Riccoboni, you know, just learning from Kevin has, you know, and sitting next to Kevin and working with Kevin, you know, it's been a lot more working with Kevin remotely than it has been sitting next to him in the last couple of years here. But, you know, obviously Chris did a fantastic job. So Really, that's about it for me when it comes to things that didn't happen in the ring. The aesthetic was very nice. Obviously, the stage and the setup, I thought they did a good job filming it because when they pulled back on the... the and pan back on the crowd shots the way they shot it with the corner shot kind of looking up against the stage it made it look like there were a lot more than 5500 people in there at the very least you couldn't tell you know the way they had it so they did a good job darkening spots you know dead spots that were there and the stage and the whole setup i thought they you know again for what was being touted by a lot of people as their biggest show of all time i thought they did an excellent job and i think i'll just throw this in here too With Sonny and Chris going back and forth, I thought they did a good job because there were going to be people that saw this show for the first time or really got their first dose of stardom where they didn't over-nerd you with a whole bunch of factoids and things like that. They did a good job blending that stuff in as the matches rolled along.
0: Yeah, they, they told you what you needed to know to have enough context to be able to enjoy the match but without overwhelming you to the point to where you felt like you didn't belong watching it if you were a new fan, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, So, yeah, they did a great job with that. And I think just the visual of the show, we've talked about it before with these big stardom arena shows. My test is always like, when you look at the crowd, does it look like they should have run the building they're in? Or does it look like they should have run the smaller building in town? And this clearly at 5,500 and, you know, a lot of it was, you know, social distance where you had, you know, a seat between people. So that spread people out higher than it would have been if everyone was jammed together. But this looks like and, and by the crowd number, you could not have had this show with the crowd interest they had. You could not have had it in the Yokohama Budokan, which is the next size arena down. So it passed that test. And uh, and yeah, I mean, the. The show started, I guess. The bonus track for the show, the first one, was the 19-woman Yokohama Rumble, which is one of those things where I always am leery of what, when they put, whether it be New Japan or Stardom, they put one of these Rumbles on as a pre-show match. Because we've talked about it ad nauseum. You know, there, there's a certain expectation and idea of what Battle Royals or, or Royal Rumble-style matches, timed entry Battle Royals, are like, uh, in, in terms of from American fans, uh, from Western fans. And it just never is like that. It never is that quality in Japan, which is funny because by and large, regular straight up wrestling matches uh, on big shows are of a higher quality than we see here in the U.S. Uh, but this was uh, so was a stardom rumble with you know a few noteworthy things throughout. But uh, you know, again, it was it's nothing to really write home about.
1: It was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> it was it was horrible. We lost Momo Kogo for commentary because we had a Harlem hangover in a battle royal. And I got to be honest, I'm not big on her doing that move anyway. It, it's always when she comes down, it's like, ah, uh, I don't know about that. I like that move I'm a lot more. I'm
0: not big on anyone doing that move. I mean, I remember even the creator of the move, uh, Booker T. I can't remember who was against it. I remember distinctly, I believe, an episode of Nitro, him doing a Harlem hangover and just sitting on somebody's head and destroying their face as well. It's just, there's no margin for error. And it's so hard to know exactly where you're going to go.
1: Well, especially because the move to me is made for somebody who's hunched over. That was when Booker T always hit it the best was when you had somebody that was kind of like doubled over, but still on their feet. So it's a little bit of an easier thing to like, if you hit him in the back of the head or the neck or the back, wherever they're going down with it and everything. And yeah, well, look, he barely used it either. In fact, there was that whole thing where he took forever not using it and then broke it out against Triple yeah. H at WrestleMania. And then, yes. of course, Triple H kicked out, and that was what it was. But, <laughs> uh, look, it just was not good. My Sakurai went ahead and won the thing. Uh, it's the the super strong startup machine, you know,
0: that was cute doing that. Uh, I some... It was awesome seeing uh, Momo Nakanishi, one of the well. – uh, one of my long-time, all-time favorites. I still go back to uh, one of her matches. I can't remember exactly when it was from. I would say probably 2000, 2001. I remember on a comp tape, her and I Fujita. Yeah. Or I Fujita, as it would be, that just had an awesome match that I remember watching over and over again on DVD. So I'm always excited to see her, particularly because when you talk about wrestlers who influence other wrestlers, it's impossible to watch Starlight Kid without seeing. Momo Nakanishi uh influence. So that was cool. And Nani Takahashi, real... that was a they were a fine team. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um the other real noteworthy thing about this, although it ended up not being as noteworthy cuz she was just in and got eliminated pretty quickly, uh, but the, uh, finally a new look and more of sort of a, uh, a, I, I guess for lack of a better term a main roster presentation, a star presentation for Hanan. Who we've talked about a lot, kind of wondering when the level up is going to happen, at least from a presentation standpoint, uh, that seemed to begin here on this show, and I'll be interested to see if it, from a results standpoint, uh, if that follows, you know, in the in the weeks and months to come.
1: I thought you would say that you you were going to mention Chanyota and uh, the fact that there are people because of Chris Charlton who probably discovered her for the first time, and some of her background as a as a bodybuilder and weightlifter and other things. But, entertainer. Uh, entertainer. That's exactly. Entertainer. In fact, there was another different type of entertainer, uh, Ram Kachao. I thought that was, was entertaining to her rolling out there to, to be in the match for a little bit. So we probably talked way too much about this uh, rumble here.
0: We definitely did. It existed. It happened. We all moved on. And it uh, was
1: not the only zero match on the show. That was zero A. Then we had zero B.
0: Yes, uh, Club Venus versus Oedo Tai, uh, Natsuko Tora, Momo Watanabe, Saki Kashima, fresh off of a very good match. If you have not had a chance, because um, there's been so much happening uh, on Stardom World, the Corken show from April 14th, uh, Saki Kashima challenged Izumi for the high-speed title. It only went like four and a half minutes, and the match was almost exclusively uh, pinning attempts, roll-ups and cradles, counters, and... Very close kickouts. It's really unique, really fun. It's worth checking out. Uh, but the three of the three of those members of Oedotai and Ruaka defeated Thecla, Mariah May, Zena, and Jesse. That's right. Thecla, not quite a member of uh, Cos or of uh, of Club Venus, but she was here, uh, paired with them, and it actually worked pretty well for what it was. It was pretty entertaining.
1: Yeah, that's you know it's you had to get everybody on the show it was the big show and they yes. are you know not rumble worthy any of those folks yeah you're building up club venus right now and then obviously you want something something for a to tie since you didn't have him you know most of them built into to too much else on the show there so again this was they didn't need to do the rumble at all you could have just this match at 10 minutes was more than what we needed, and I would have been just fine with this as the uh, jump start to the show.
0: Yeah, I think the the rumble is more for the locker room than for anything else. I wanted to make sure that everybody got on this big show. But yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, from a viewer standpoint, there wasn't a lot of value add from having that. If you missed uh, the first half hour of the pre-show, you probably enjoyed the show more than if you saw it. Um, but then we get into the main card, and from there, off to the races. What an incredible show, and this opener... Like to me, I, I always think. Oh my God! Pretty much, yes. <laughs> uh, it was Starlight Kid and the former Mayoh Shizuki, now known as May Sarah. Who, uh, if you look at the upcoming uh, cards, sure as hell looks like she is full time Sardom right now. I don't know if there's confirmation of that, but after taking about a year and a half off, almost two years off, it sure feels like she's going to be in Sardom full time. They defeated Izumi and May Saruga. This match was. Awesome. The only misstep in this match was Izumi in her entrance, uh, getting, <laughs> getting tripped up by having the, using the, the same sort of entrance, I don't know, butterfly wings, whatever robe thing it is that May usually has. Izumi had that as well and tripped over that. But after that, oh my God, this was awesome. This is one of those where, you know, I think about it with stardom sometimes. Like if you put this match The exact way it was presented, 10 minutes of this on AEW television, people would be absolutely losing their minds, talking about it for days afterwards, how great this was, how different it was than anything they would ever seen. The speed, the precision, uh, the whole deal, this was awesome.
1: And you had me laying out there like Mariah May as I, I fumbled with the uh, the mute button there, but no, again, it, it was an awesome start. And okay, Starlight Kid, right now, where what is going on with her trajectory, and where is she going next
0: right now? Well, I mean, it, to me, it was very interesting uh, when I was listening to Chris Char- uh Chris Charlton on commentary here. I was listening very closely because if you watch new Japan shows, when he says something about like what a wrestler is doing or about potentially their future, it means something. He he is hinting at something. And he said that starlight kid has said that she has graduated from the high-speed division. As far as going after the high-speed title, she will still wrestle that style, but she is no longer going after the high-speed title. So that tells me that hopefully finally We'll see her in the mix for the white belt, for the red belt, uh, in the mix to uh, you know be in the hunt to win the five star grand prix. That's where she needs to be. That's where her skill and her popularity uh, should put her at. Uh, so hopefully, this is uh, this will be a bit of a leapfrog for her. A wonder of
1: stardom championship match with Mina Shirakawa down the line again. Depending on That'll what's going awesome. to happen there, we'll we'll get to that a little bit later on. But. That seems to be kind of perfect because, again, this is not a one-to-one, but let's just play the Hiromu Takahashi uh, Starlight Kid game with the junior title slash, you know, the high-speed title. There are people that have held the high-speed title that I don't know when you throw them in there with Julia or Atami or Siri. Hmm, you know, obviously it's stardom, so you know you're going to get a good match. But in my mind, you know, visual matchups and people I put in that category Well, Starlight Kid is one of the, arguably, one of the best female wrestlers in the world. Arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world. Adam Summers is about to jump in and tell you. So, you know, (laughs) her working with Amina Shirakawa doesn't do anything but help Amina Shirakawa. And again, if that could be something in a title picture, that was just one of the things that I thought about after Shirakawa won the belt was boy, you know, Starlight Kid and her in a battle between Oedo Tai, you know, those women, you know, again, mixing it up with the faction, the type of faction that Club Venus is with the experience level that they're at, boy, they could probably do, I will not say a lot for each other, Oedo Tai could do a lot more for Club Venus, but that's what you want right now, right?
0: Yeah, I would be all for that. And I think that's one of the themes coming out of this show as we talk about all the new champions is fresh matchups, and I think with every single one of these champions, you can maybe buy them dropping the title at any time uh, more than some of the other reigns of some of these championships where either they were built too very long, so you expected uh, that they would continue to hold the title, or just some of the defenses. You know, you just didn't think there was going to be a title change, and now uh, you know, it feels like we might have a bit more unpredictability. Uh, speaking of unpredictability and potential title changes, we had... Uh, May Sarah, who again, insane that she looked this good after basically a couple of years away from the ring. She kept up with maybe the three best high speed wrestlers in the world wrestling this style that you see in the high speed division or uh, in a tag match like this. She stayed with them every step of the way. Awesome finishing sequence with Izumi and got the pin, earning herself a future uh, a title shot at the high speed belt.
1: Super fun match. The next match. Also fun in a different way. We have had Logan Paul's, we have Bad Bunnies, and we have Fuuchan's. And Utami Hayashishida, Miyu Amasaki, defeated Hazuki and Fuuchan in 14 minutes and 19 seconds. Hayashishida, German suplex, or Hayashita, German suplex hold on Fuuchan for the victory after the match, saluted her, said that she did a good job. Basically, if you want to continue on this wrestling thing, you know, salute. Second match she's had. Second match where not only she hasn't embarrassed herself, you know, you wouldn't know necessarily that she was a YouTube celebrity. No. She's just a trainee. Again, if you don't know exactly what the backstory is, exactly, you know, it didn't, you didn't find somebody that looked bizarrely out of place.
0: No, I mean, she's a, a as you put it, she's a mainstream celebrity. She had her second match. And yes, yeah, she's had very intensive training. And we saw, which is a credit to her that she's been yeah. willing to go through that. Uh, we saw a frankly almost unbelievable video of uh, her watching on as Kazuchika Okada did the most mind-melting standing dropkick you have ever seen in your life to Ryohei Oiwa. Uh, in the dojo you have there's a gift of this th- just the ability the body control of okada to do this from a standing position was like nothing you've ever seen before that's mm. just to to uh illuminate the, the type of training that she's had but yeah when you look at recent people that have debuted in stardom or tokyo joshi pro just as a few examples and then you look at how good Fuichan chan looked you know given her experience level and the two matches she's had it, it, it's pretty crazy. If she wants to keep doing this and keep having these sorts of matches, I don't see any reason not to do it. It's also an incredible statement uh, to the positive on Hizuki as a trainer, uh, as a mentor, we've talked about before just how, you know, just how fundamentally sound she is and, and clearly how good she is in terms of training people. The other takeaways I had from this match one, I thought this was by far Miu Amasaki's best performance. Uh, her offense looked more crisp, uh, more intentional. She didn't have that deer in the headlights look whenever she wasn't on offense that she's had previously. And I think a lot of that is she's finally getting regular reps uh, and is you know on a lot of these tour shows. The other note that just, it kind of blew me away when I heard people saying that, uh, that Utami, oh, she's just, she's, she's buried. She's in the second match on this pay-per-view. What are they doing with her? She was in this match as the focal point against a major mainstream celebrity. And this match was was shown later that night on NTV, on national primetime television, as part of a show featuring Fuwa Chan. So her match was seen by exponentially more people than anyone else on this show. Stardom entrusted her to do that. NTV entrusted her to do that. Fuwa Chan entrusted her to do that. Tommy Haya Shishida is just fine. She's a star. If she's not going to be in the title mix, what would you rather see her doing cool, unique stuff like this or dropping falls in random six or eight man tag matches? I just, I don't understand anyone having a problem with this.
1: Well, here's the thing. I love her. She's great. I probably like her more than a lot of people. And where does she fit on this card? Other than there, they had everything set up to do different things, and her thing was going to be again this crossover presentation with Fuachan. So for exactly for the reasons that you noted and the fact that again, where whose spot was she going to take? What dream match were you going to drop in there? Say okay, you're gonna put it right before Siri and Chihiro Ashimoto. Who does she face then? Who do you bring in and where is it a big deal? A bigger deal than what she did in that match. So, yeah, you know, again, in in my world, is she always in the semi-main event of something? Of course she is. But you know what? They needed her to do something for the company, and I think she succeeded.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think it it certainly didn't lower her profile no, uh, in any way, shape, or form being in this match. Uh, Unfortunately, someone whose pro wrestling profile is permanently lowered after this show Uh, Is Jamaica, the Jamaica retirement match, Jamaica final, the long retirement road over these past few months, which has been awesome. Just great performance after great performance, kind of getting in all the matches or rematches or first time matches that I think over the whatever the next three, four years we would have seen from her. They got all those in over the past couple months here. The only way the story could end uh, taking on her longtime DDM tag team partner, best friend in the business, Micah. And this was great. They beat the hell out of each other for 14 minutes. Uh, we had Hameka hitting a dive off the top rope. Her first planche that I've ever seen. She looked to enjoy that. The jumbo jet flew. <laughs> and then she got put down by a bunch of Mishinoku drivers. And that was that. She uh, she goes on to this uh, little um, sort of wave Bushi Road fight produced show, uh, which I guess is probably happening today or tomorrow. Uh, and then she has her retirement ceremony, uh, officially ending her career, not a match, but officially ending her career in a ceremony at Cork and Hall on the 14th of May.
1: Sad as a fan, but it was a fun match. And because I'm a big Micah fan, Hey, that was cool. And obviously playing to their trainers there with the Mishinoku driver at the end and the, you know, finishing her off uh, the,
0: the the tip of the hat to just tap out there. So with a funny line from Chris Charlton. Saying about, like, basically that you know she inherited that move from Takama Shinoku. But when's the last time Taka beat anyone with that move? <laughs> that's, that's probably cliche. probably longer than than uh Hameka's been alive, Scotty, amazing. too hotty
1: on, yes. uh, on a heat way back when, but yeah. as Scott Taylor, probably. <laughs>
0: But like yeah, legitimately it, twenty-five years ago.
1: It's uh, you know, and no shenanigans expected to take place at the ceremony either. So, you know, there was no. still a part of me. It's like, yeah, you know, you could always buck tradition and have him win this, but now nah, that's not the way it went. And cool match, cool moment at the end there, nice entrance. Again, the the whole thing. I'm going to miss her. I thought I love that team. I wish they, you know, again, they they could have been in the mix there more. Uh, for a longer period of time, but you know, again, she's only—I think she turns 26 at the end of May. I think that's when her birthday is. Yeah, because that
0: was the whole—that was the whole thing—was she wanted to retire while she was still 25? I guess that was the idea when she started her career, and I guess that's—that's that's what she was following through here. So, yeah, Such a traditionalist. <laughs> yeah, um, they, we saw that uh, a lot more often back in the day, <laughs> all Japan women and elsewhere, because yeah, they had
1: to. Exactly. Which by which We've... by the way, good again. That is one of those things that, that Chris and Sonny noted when they were talking. Mariah too, I think, at the time they were all kind of bantering it about of the the twenty five years old rule, and it was just you know how insane in hindsight, you know, because again you yeah. look at some of the women who are just again look at look at uh, Kana right now, look at Asuka in WWE, let alone somebody like uh, a Mako Satomura and so many of the other women out there who are again still really great at what they do, but. Uh, I don't want to stay too long on that because we had the first title change of the night. The Goddesses of Stardom <laughs> Tag Team titles. Did Mar- we ever. Mariah Mar- Mar- and Ami Sorae hey defeated Nane Takahashi and you 7-Up. I hated this. I get it. I understand it. If you wanted to do something like this, you beat two big opponents that you can come back with. You want to get this thing over, a count out, because traditionally this has happened in the past in Japanese wrestling. I still say wrong place, wrong time, other than it was such a big show with so much going on that people won't beat on this as if it was the main event of the show. I thought this was... This was a smaller show. This was a one-off pay-per-view. You know, I, I this to me was not the place to go ahead and do that. And I thought it was cheap.
0: Yeah, not a fan of it. Um, a fan of Mariah and Ami Sore winning. Uh, that was awesome. They're a great team. as um, in the tank for Mariah as anyone could potentially, could possibly be. Everyone knows that, but just because of how great she is. Um, and as we've talked about, and as Sunny mentioned on the broadcast. Her dedication to getting better, her studying tapes of guys like Bret Hart and Ricky Steamboat and just yeah. constantly evolving, adding new wrinkles, not in ter- just in terms of moves, but, you know, how she sells, how she sets up for moves, all the little things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the uh, or I guess the the uh, you could be really gracious, I guess, here and say, well, they were just going for, you know, let's do a count out finish for a title change and show people, remind people that that can happen. That's part of the rules. Yes. Maybe that's what happened. But to me, watching this, having seen their reign, which again, we we were much higher on than we thought we would be, but this had big oh, well, this doesn't work for me, brother, vibes. Uh, as far as so you do this whole reign. You know, they they destroy Meltier, they win all these title matches, and then they lose the title on a count out when. Coming into this all the, you know, into particularly Nanai Takahashi coming back to sardin as well, you know, who's she going to lose to? So she she lost, she did the job to Wakasukiyama. That didn't happen here. And I, like you, wanted to give this the benefit of the doubt. I figured, well, they'll come back really quick. And the first match will be, the first title defense will be a rematch. It'll headline or semi-main you know, a a somewhat major show, a pay-per-view, but obviously not a show as big as this. And uh, the new eras, Mariah and Amisori, will get their decisive win to really start off their reign. That's not happening. May 4th, Fukuoka, Fukuoka, Goddess Legend 2023, the next major show for stardom. Mariah, Amisori, defending the tag titles against Hazuki and Koguma. Do you think Hazuki and Koguma have a shot? I don't. I mean, again, who knows after what we saw in this show, it's possible. uh, It'll be a great match. Like I I have no, uh, no concerns about that. We've seen these two teams uh, go against each other before, and it's been really good. But just when I saw that, I'm like, well, the story clearly isn't Mariah and Amisori getting another big win over seven up to validate their title reign. If This reign of Mariah and Amisori plays out to its conclusion, and they do not cross paths with 7-Up again and do not beat them decisively via pin or submission, I think it'll be fair to be retroactively even harder on this than we're being right now. I reserve that
1: right. I reserve that right because in my head, there's no way that they're not either going to be added to that match or more than that, have some sort of interference in it or at least be the challengers coming out of it saying we never yeah. got beat. And on top of it... Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> the countout sucked. It, the countout... Where is... Every time somebody reaches to the... There's a break. I, it just how the countout happened. Where it wasn't even a brawl. It wasn't even some sort of... All they did was kept drop kicking them off. It should have been a
0: break. You should have restarted the count. I just... Uh, or, or, you know, I agree hundred percent from a rules standpoint. And then if you're going at the very least, if you're going to have them win by count out to me, it's less to feel a little bit decisive to not make Mariah and Amisori like really weak as tag team champions. If they're not immediately having a rematch, which they're not and getting the win over the former champions, which they're not at the very least, give me something where, you know, uh, Takahashi is up on the apron trying to beat the count and Mariah comes at like 18 and Larry, the hell out of her off the, off the apron. And she goes, you know, back first into the guard rail and the referees count and hits 20, something more than we got here. And we'll see, maybe this whole thing is about the
1: fluke. We'll see how it's presented going forward. And, you know, but I, yeah, I, I didn't like anything about this. And if you were going to do it, I think there should have been, I thought Nana and you should have gotten some of their heat back at the end, you know, by at least attacking them, doing something, being so outraged and angry. And then, you know, allowed for more av- That's why I thought this would have been better off for a different show where you only have maybe one singles match that comes after it, you know, to get your fans back. Cause I don't think you want to end a show with something like that, but you would give you more time, to have some protest from the heels and to have some things where, again, maybe that's, again, I'm fantasy booking for them, but it just, for me, eh, this 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 didn't work for me, brother, and we'll see if it, it you know, hey, that doesn't work for me, sister, is the case when it came to non-ANU and dropping those titles, but another well, time. Well, to
0: your point, just yeah. quickly, uh, it's kind of bolster what you said in terms of, they're not being more of a you know like a post match attack or a protest from seven up when i when that didn't happen to the level i would have expected given the finish that also to me lends credence to the idea that they're not going back to that 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 you know we're we're going to have this defense against Suzuki and Koguma and then we're just moving on to the next one after that i hope i'm wrong i hope you know that after that match on the 4th if Mariah and Amisore win, which I expect they will, hopefully 7-Up will come out, issue the challenge, and then we'll get that match and we'll get that decisive win for Mariah and Amisore. I just, on a show of this caliber, if you're making two people, I know Amisore is future title, but if you're giving two people their first major championships in the company on the biggest show in history... Um, this is not the way I would have done it, but again, that's, you know, that's from the outside. It's a C minus right now for me with an
1: asterisk. It could go lower. It could go a little bit higher, but it won't go much higher than that. Again, if not again, the match itself, no reinvention of the wheel there, there was not a real reinvention of the wheel in the artists of stardom six women title match either, but it was just so fun to see Prominence go out there, do what Prominence does against a team that had never teamed together because they just got together. It was Kyrie along with Natsapoy and Saori Anjo, who are the newest member of Cosmic Angels. And they won the six-woman titles. And I guess I'm not really surprised in this. Although obviously both of us, I'm sure, wanted to fantasy book prominence with those belts out a lot further, but you know they had a show the next day. Sarah <laughs> wrestled, uh, and and we will end up getting this, I'm sure, down the line there. But you know she ends up uh, wrestling. Uh, Jun Kasai is part of her ten match death series that took place. So for, for you know, Suzu Suzuki, correct? Yes, for Suzu Suzuki. So you know they have interest outside of Stardom and plenty of things for all of those women to do. So the fact that the belts got changed, I guess I'm not falling over shocked about. But again, well, they he,
0: needed to they needed to be changed, particularly with what came out afterwards. That Suzu Suzuki is no longer a part of Prominence. No, I missed this. I, I miss Suzuki has left prominence and has been a bit vague in terms of what she's going to do. But then you look on all the upcoming stardom shows and she's on all those shows. <sighs> so, you know, if I had to guess, we're staring down the barrel of full time stardom, Suzu Suzuki, maybe with a new group, uh, a new faction in stardom forming around her uh maybe even with May Sarah who knows um you don't want yeah. me to
1: go back to my thing where she takes over a Tai tie and turns them into actual badasses do you
0: <laughs> i would love it i would love it. <laughs> it, it there'd be worse things to do that's for sure or bring or if Oedo tie brought back the dance just to see the look on her face as she had to do the dance and then just set, decided not to and threw somebody into tax instead now let me
1: take the don fry poop on the birthday cake here and say Because Susie Suzuki, if she is going to be full-time stardom, boy, that takes out any shot of her coming over here to the States and going on a barnstorming tour, which I would love to see her do.
0: Yeah, I would love for that to happen before. If anything, I I haven't heard of anything being made official. It's just kind of reading the tea leaves. But but yeah, before anything gets made official, come over here for three months and, and wrestle a bunch of shows. And who knows, maybe... And I don't expect this because none of this ever happens in Chicago, but maybe somebody who book shows in Chicago will actually bring her over. Unlike all the other uh, women from Japan that nobody seems to be bringing over when they're wrestling on the East coast and the West coast. Not that I'm bitter about that at all. It's hard to find a building out there though. It's difficult. It's very difficult apparently. Um, But uh, the positive from this, I thought this match was great. I thought particularly the finishing stretch between Suzu Suzuki and Salary was fantastic that jackknife uh pin by Sauriano that backslide into a jackknife pin for the victory where not only does she have her weight distributed all the way over she also has her feet on the arms of suzu suzuki so there's no chance of kicking out it's a great finish i thought Sauriano looked fantastic in this match and as we talked about on last week i am super excited to see Uh as she works more stardom shows, more people see how good she is. And also see her, as we've seen with so many other people, we've talked about ad nauseum, see how far she levels up her in-ring game from where she's at right now.
1: I've seen that before, but not in a long, long time. And I think it was in Mexico that I saw that. But it is great somebody should steal it more people should do it it looked visually fantastic it looks like it makes all the sense in the world with her holding her legs it was perfect i thought it was great now can you handle mel2 or is there only one meltair can, can Natsa <laughs> and sayori get together and, and and sing a little bit i mean you know can they be in sequence would sorry even want something like that trying to mother along these kids <laughs>
0: It, it, it's a certainly a good question. We'll see if there's uh maybe the next time a hit single comes out, the next time an album comes out, it's three members instead of two. I, I'm, I'm very interested to see where this goes uh, going forward, because kind of like you hinted at, and like we talked about last week, it looks like everything's nice and happy now in cosmic angels. Plus Kyrie, obviously part of the mix as well, but I just get a sneaking suspicion that at some point down the line, particularly now with Tam Nakano as champion, we're going to be looking at a, uh, uh, a betrayal for the ages from Sarriano on Tam Nakano leading to a a big feud and big title match there really
1: really good match and everything that you would expect out of prominence too right from the start i mean I think it was Kyrie who, you know, it it was Suzu Suzuki. I think was not turning over the belt. And then Kyrie kind of like went out and they just brawled right from Jump Street. And it was everything that you expect. Scary spots a little bit on the outside. Occasionally with women getting thrown headfirst into chairs and things like that. It was just, it was everything that you expected it to be. And I thought it was really, really good.
0: And it was also wild to see Risa, Sarah and Kyrie wrestling each other that yeah. Was just, yeah uh just blew my mind a little bit It, uh, yes <laughs> you're exactly
1: right about that and by the way it's like you know she never left you know except when you think about all that time that was lost you know with her in wwe not that she had a bad run there or anything like that but she is just back into effect like a hand in a glove and that ended up setting into or, or leading into the Wonder of Stardom championship between Mina Shirakawa and, and Saya Kamatani. And, you know, obviously during commentary, and I'm sure there were plenty of people in that building that are big Kamatani fans that just said, you know what? Nope, she's going to win her 17th, uh, 16th title defense, and she's going to just keep moving on. I don't We obviously didn't believe that. Probably most of the people listening didn't believe that. Mina Shirakawa, leader of Club Venus, gets off to a great start, or has been off to a great start, adds a a jewel to her collection, her first-ever championship of note, the Wonder of Stardom title, defeating Kamatani, ending her long reign, becoming the 17th champion, doing it with the figure four. And I, I don't know what Brian Alvarez was complaining about when he came to working the leg and everything. Actually, I do know what he was complaining about. But frankly, he was just complaining. I thought Shirakawa did a hell of a job, won the oh way that he needed to win. with but the. Wait, wait, four. back up.
0: Yes. What was he complaining about with her working the legs? She did a great job, including uh, an awesome dragon screw leg whip that Sayakama Kamatani has clearly learned how to sell since the last time Mina Shirakawa gave her one. <laughs> I don't see what the issue is at all.
1: Well, him and Filthy, uh, I guess. I'll leave everybody to, to become a subscriber to WrestlingObserver.com and those podcasts there. This is a free one here. you got to pay for Filthy for it daily, but yes, Brian uh, had his thoughts on that, and I guess is just not a big fan of Mina Shirakawa. That's probably <sighs> (sighs) what he is. So he's wrong. He's always got bad taste
0: in everything. You know how that goes. He's wrong. (laughs) I mean, he has, he's, everyone has a right to be wrong and he's, he's factually wrong. Now. This was awesome.
1: Now that she's won. Now that Mina Shirakawa has won because it has all been building to this. We're all happy. Got the new, the new haircut, the new look after she had to have her teeth and face reconstructed. And uh, again, we'll get into the, the nuts and bolts of the match, but Now we have Shirakawa, again, with a group that's got a relatively inexperienced group, although a very flashy group that currently has people, you know, rallying around them. Interesting tipping point right here to see if she's able to take the ball and run with it. And and interesting to see how long they let her run with the ball, considering that, you know, it's not like the artist or the Wonder of Stardom title is, uh, you know, something to be forgotten about.
0: No, I know. I mean, it's the you know 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call it. It can main event shows on its own, which it will in Fukuoka. Uh, they're giving her a good start. I mean, I can't imagine that her first title defense against Natsupoy isn't going to be great. We've seen uh, the interaction between them before. I'm already looking forward to Mina Shirakawa with the figure four and Natsupoy with a Mount Rushmore level sell of the figure four. Um, so it should be a great way to start her reign. But yeah, I, I thought this was, you know, depending on your taste, to me, this is right there with Tam and Julia as the match of the show. And I thought one of the best matches I've seen so far in 2023, I, I thought Shirakawa in particular was great. We talked about just the story going back to, you know, months and months ago, uh, with the Phoenix splash gone awry, Saya Kamatani destroying the face of Mina Shirakawa, and how that, in a lot of ways, not only changed the trajectory of Mina Shirakawa's teeth, but also of her <laughs> career. And we talked about on last week's show, like the big question going into this was, well, you know, it, it did not seem before that happened months ago that the direction was going to be Mina Shirakawa getting a second crack at Sayakamitani and winning the Wonder of Sardom title. But after that happened, how good that match was, how great Shirakawa has been. And then the built-in story there, it seemed like it would be promotional malpractice to not alter whatever plans were originally in place and have Mena Shirakawa defeat Sayakamitani. They went ahead and did that. We had the story throughout the match kind of twofold uh, physically of Shirakawa working over uh, Sayakamitani's leg to try to stop her from being able to use uh, the Phoenix splash or any variation thereof. And then at a certain point late in the match, Kamatani goes up, she's shaking off the knee, but she can't get herself to do the Phoenix splash. She gets cut off later on. She does it. She hits it and it's not enough. This was great. You talk about finishing the story. It's it's the year of that in Bushi road promotions right now between uh, Sonata winning the IWGP world title a few weeks back in New Japan and then here, really the only story, the only way you could finish this story logically is what they did with Shirakawa beating Saya Kamataten.
1: Yeah, I think they did a really good job and well, you know, the story that was told in, in, in Tam's match with Julia and Mayu and Mercedes you know, it was a little bit of a, a different story with Mayu and Mercedes, but Tam and Julia and, and Mina and Saya, as far as if you have been paying attention and you have been following things and obviously the announcers helped you along with it anyway but everything if you have been invested in this you know since its beginning and since she you know the Phoenix the, the Phoenix splash did hurt her you know it was perfect i thought it was really perfect so Again, we'll see what happens with Shirakawa here. You know, Fukuoka, May 4th, is going to be a a big show. I, too, look forward to, to Mina Shirakawa as Ric Flair, locking that figure four onto Natsupoy, and she's making her Ricky Morton faces. It's struggling. Or Ricky Steamboat, for that matter. And, and crying out there and trying to reach the ropes. It's really going to be great, and it'll also be interesting to see. Uh, how much, uh, cause again, they're, they, they can be fun when they want to be fun, but Mariah May, Xena, Je- again, we'll see how much involvement they have in this match too, because again, they're heels to me, uh, I, <laughs> you know, this unit, they can go either way, but I can see them being extra heelish, maybe not Mina, but certainly her minions being extra heelish, uh, during this title reign, at least in this match against an
0: I'm fine in the build-up to it. I don't want any of those shenanigans in the match itself. But, but I guess time will tell us in terms of uh, what direction Club Venus goes in terms of any interference or anything like that. I, I sure hope we don't see it. Like, press conference stuff, that's fine. But I don't want to see it in match. Uh, something that certainly had no shenanigans, as straightforward as you can get. And I mean that in the, uh, in the most complimentary way possible. The women's pro wrestling strongest decisive match. This was knockout or submission or uh, TKO only. Uh, it was Shuri versus Shiro Hashimoto. They beat the holy hell out of each other for 16 minutes. Shuri wins with a knockout, the, the face kick, the head kick, the buzzsaw kick, whatever you want to call it. I was thinking maybe they were going in a different direction and uh, Chihiro Hashimoto would win and go on to challenge for one of the major starting titles afterwards. Uh, Instead, the story was Shuri being the toughest, being uh, uh, the biggest badass in wrestling in Japan, and uh, yeah, this was awesome. I don't have it
1: open right now, but uh, one of the homies in the forum at Figure Four Online asked us, you know, I'm surprised you guys think Hashimoto's going to get the victory, and it's like, you know what, I didn't get a chance to respond, but really... You know, that was a lot of wish casting because I'm a big Chihiro Hashimoto fan. I'd like to see her stay in stardom. I'd love to see her get a big victory here and move on and just be a monster there. And I think it would be, wouldn't be would have hurt Siri for it to happen. But I also understand that that's not the direction that they were going. And it was time for Siri to actually have a big victory here. And it was time for her to look at Hashimoto and say, hey, you know, you can be here in Stardom anytime you want, but if you're going to go away, fine. We'll we'll k- basically keep the door open for you so I can kick it back into your face again. And, you know, Hashimoto going back to Sendai, we have Sari coming back. I'm not surprised at all, but I'm glad that the door is open. I've loved her time there. I think she's great. I think she's somebody that Stardom needs. I think they do need a character like her. Again, You know, for the size of somebody like a you and they have some muscle people and they have this and they have that, but nobody's quite like Jira Ashimoto. You know, they don't exactly have that, and I think she's been great. The match was fantastic, it was everything that you wanted um we will begin our or at least i will my cringing over clunking headbutts and headbutts to the back of the head which you had yeah that headbutt to the back of the head was disgusting yeah it's just one of those things that You know, I'm not going to stop saying, oh, I wish they wouldn't do that. Please don't do that. That's a bad idea. Stop doing that. But they're going to continue to do it, and there's really nothing I can do from the side of the microphone to stop them except to say, ah, don't do that. But Siri with the big head kick at the end, you know, they had some really good spots. They had a double knockout spot. You know, a lot of obviously pounding back and forth, which, you know, Beast is going to be strongest here. And, boy, it, it again, you see Hashimoto's wrestling actual amateur wrestling skills right off the bat when they were doing the go-behinds and they were doing the reversals, and it's like you forget, you know, again, she's a big powerhouse in the world of pro wrestling, but how quick she can be and how fast she can shoot in and drop to a knee and take your ass down, I thought, I really, this for me was the best match of the night. It was my most preferable match of the night and i liked a lot of the matches including the main event but you know you you hold a gun to my head and say you only pick one this was the one
0: yeah i think that's what a show like this again it reminds me of some of those great g1 shows uh in new japan maybe particularly five or six years ago where you just had match after match after match that We're all great and we're all completely different and just came down really to stylistic preferences. But I think it's a it's a a testament to how great this show was that you can have that as your number one match on the show legitimately. And for me, I have this probably as my number four match on the show. And I still I still thought it was great, but I I would personally have uh, the Shirakawa Kamatani match above this. I would have Julia Tamnakano above this, and I would have the high-speed tag match that opened the main card uh, above this. But they were all great in different ways. And you know
1: what? Somebody out there is saying, you know what? For the experience that they have working with each other in the 13 minutes that they went, man, if mercedes Monet and Mayu Iwatani, I wouldn't say it was the best match on the show, but if somebody put it as their third or fourth, I I can't really argue with that either because I thought Mercedes Monet put on Yeoman's effort here and I thought Mayu Iwatani winning the title. Again, we were talking about this months ago when you know again the possibility of this belt going to Iwatani was not a shock. It was just going to be okay. Wh- again, what what is going on with Mercedes? Her contract is she more of a New Japan? International thing. What exactly is she going to be? But as you go ahead and you determine all that sort of stuff, makes all the sense in the world for Mayu Iwatani to have this title.
0: Well, yeah, I mean it's it it certainly is one of those things that when the title was announced, it had the feeling of uh, it was a matter of if uh, it was a matter of when, you know, and there was all the talk, uh, you know, that originally she was going to win the title match. Uh, the, the you know, the decision match, the original championship match against Kairi uh, and different things happened. They went in a different direction. You know, and then as we talked about going into this match, the idea was, well, if Mercedes is staying, will she keep the title? If she's leaving will Mayu win. And instead, Mercedes is, like we said, sticking around for at least one more match in the umbrella of Bushi Road wrestling promotions. But Mayu Iwatani got the win. And yeah, I mean, I I would probably have this as my maybe fifth, sixth, maybe seventh best match on the show. I, I probably liked Micah and Jamaica more. Um, I probably liked the uh, the Artists of Stardom uh, six-person tag title match more, but it was still very good, I would say, of the now three Mercedes-Benz Mone matches that we've seen. Uh, the Kyrie match, uh, the three-way uh, at Sakura Genesis just a couple of weeks ago, and this, I would say this would probably be the lowest on the list that doesn't mean it's bad it was still very good um maybe a little bit surprising that for the semi-main event um when you look at the match length of the previous two matches or the previous three matches that all went right in that 16-17 minute mark maybe a bit of a surprise that it only went just under 13 uh, I wonder if maybe you know I don't know what the time limitations were just for the show overall maybe they had to cut some time uh, or maybe this is just uh, what they had but for the time they went, it was very good.
1: Um, all Mercedes matches factor in her entrance.
0: Well, yes. <laughs> you got entrance, 20 all, Mercedes. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever he- not hear that song in my head, whether I wanted to or not. It's like the baby shark of wrestling entrance music. Um, but yeah, I mean, she, she's a star. The one thing I thought was really evident here was that by far of her three in-ring appearances in New Japan, well, I guess... There's the the show in Long Beach where she came off, or in San Jose where she came off as a massive star. But in terms of her appearances in Japan, whether it be uh, at Wrestle Kingdom, the surprise appearance, whether it be um, you know the the match, uh, the three way match at Sakura Genesis, the the attack uh, a week or so prior to this show uh, on my Iwatani, the surprise or this show, by far she was the most over with the Japanese audience here. She came off like a star. It felt like people were invested in her and had an idea of who she was rather than just being well okay we've been told she's a big star from america but we don't really know anything about her um and that alone i would think would be that reaction uh would be making new japan and stardom um you know even more likely to want to be able to bring her back for more shows in japan uh beyond the show coming up in may for new japan and long beach
1: Stardom is trying to grow on two fronts simultaneously with a lot of pressures that are on them. And as you talked about mercedes Monet getting attention in Japan, Mayu Iwatani needs to get her attention back again in the States. And I'm sure there's a lot of Mercedes-only people right now who can't understand what's going on, or maybe they're New Japan fans who don't follow this closely who go... Well, isn't Mercedes a much bigger name than Mayu Iwatani? Not if you're stardom. Uh, You know, she was Ring of Honor women's champion, and I know that didn't mean much at that time when it was only like Kelly Klein and Jenny Rose and, you know, the, the few women that they had over there. But she was the focal point of bringing... The company over to the States. She was the face, not the only face. Obviously there was Tam, there was, you know, uh, there was obviously, uh, um, Hana Kimura and, and, and other women, but she was the focal point. You know, she was the woman we wouldn't have an IWGP title, as Chris mentioned, I believe, on the show, because she had to give up the SWA undisputed title and make to make the IWGP title. You know, in storyline means something. I'm taking this and I'm putting it to the side now because this is now the new mission. So everything was going to lead to this point anyway. And it makes all this again, all of the sense in the world. Now when we get to Julia and Tam. I think you can have a little bit more debate on, you know, do you take care of the Japanese perception? Again, it comes to a battle between marketability and also, frankly, if you're ever going to bring anybody over here, you know, frankly. But we'll get to that in a moment. But I thought this made sense for... Again, you have got to drive home, if you're stardom, that Mayu Iwatani, how big of a star she is, why she is a star, and again, to to make sure that in 2023, again, we know this, because, it, again, it's been a long time since she was over here. It was 2019, whatever it was. You know, you know I, get, I take that back. I guess she would rumble on 44th Street. Technically, she was was, was yeah, over here. Yeah, against Kylan King. Over. Yes, so there was that, but again, they... To me, you got to build her up as a star in this market. The same way in a way that you build up Mercedes in the star, but it's not exactly the same thing. But I'm babbling off here with words here, but I hope everybody knows what I mean.
0: If you're going to tell people that she's Hiroshi Tanahashi and draw those comparisons, you also have to show them that she's that wrestler. And that's what they did with this match. It is interesting, though, that like you said... You know We're still waiting for any sort of influx of stardom wrestlers in the U.S., and I know their very aggressive schedule in Japan makes that a little bit less likely, but it's noteworthy, and I don't know exactly what it means, but I do think it's noteworthy that coming up on May 21st in Long Beach, California, at Resurgence, you have a New Japan show, and at least as of now, unless it's going to be a rematch for the title, and that very well may could be the case, Right now, you have the former IWGP women's champion on that card, and you don't have the current IWGP women's champion on the card. So like I said, who knows? Maybe it'll be a rematch, and maybe Mercedes Monet will win the title back in the U.S. I don't know. Or maybe Um, Mercedes Monet wrestles a local off of the scene. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know. A local off of the scene, or or you know maybe we get you know the the relationship with Impact is very strong, so yeah. maybe it's you know she wrestles a Diana Perazzo or she wrestles Trinity you know, a, a, Fatu, yeah or or well, yeah uh, or a, a Mickey James if Mickey James is healthy. I don't know. I mean they 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 need to do something to move tickets, uh, in, in Long Beach because so far. Uh, you know the announcement of Mercedes Monet, the announcement of uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Will Ospreay, Those things have not yet uh, uh, exactly spiked ticket sales anywhere near a sellout yet.
1: So that leads us into the main event, the World of Stardom title. Tam Nakano, or sorry, Tam Tam Nakano. I can't speak right now. Against Julia, she defeated Julia twenty-three forty. With the Violet Screwdriver, such a beautiful move. The Steiner Screwdriver, just an amazing-looking move. We get a title change, and there are pros and cons. And there's not many cons, exactly, but I was surprised. It makes sense. She's stardoms. Again, this was hyped up during commentary. You know, you know Mayu and Tam both, you know, their relationships with Rossi, what they mean to stardom, all of that. I would not have made this move right now, but as I said, they are trying to grow this thing on two fronts. We heard, if you heard Pacific Rain podcast with Jim Valley and with Fumi Saito, and when they were talking about Road, and this was talked about with Trinity Fatu leading into this show that, New Japan, the beating that they took during the pandemic, the fact that no one got laid off, the fact that nobody lost their job—they are sucking wind. And they spent a ton of money to bring Mercedes Monet in that you knew you weren't going to make back when it came to pay-per-view sales, or, or subscription sales, or with ticket sales. It's just you that were, said, you were five, using her.
0: Good. Supposedly, I was just say pay-per-view sales. We should mention that I believe that the number, well, what was it There aren't like. Total numbers, the what they're putting out there is that's five times the normal stardom pay per view buys for this show. That's awesome. I hope That that's... still won't make back the money in terms of bringing her in, but it does at yeah. least say there was some impact.
1: But yeah, and you know, and we talked about it, like you bring her in because she's a big name. It's like advertising. I mean, you write off any losses that you take and you hope that the eyeballs that come with her stay. You hope it's a, a fruitful relationship. She obviously loves it there. She yes. loves being involved. So that's a great sign as well, too. So everything seems to be great there. And You're trying to grow it here in the States, and obviously we're hyper-focused on things that we like on this show and people that we think are marketable that would be marketable in North America and in the U.K., and I think Julia is that person. I would love to see her exported. I think she should be the face of stardom. There should be many faces of stardom, don't get me wrong, but I think you need to start exploiting her because she's new, brand new for a lot of people here. They don't know who she is or how good she is. This is not to take away anything from Tam because I understand when it comes to the Japanese market— What she's worth when it comes to her merchandise, what she's worth when it comes to her name, what she's worth when it comes to her value with that company and the fan support that she has built up behind her and how that company thinks about her. Of course they're looking at her. I can understand completely that they look at her as their number one, and they believe that she should hold this title for right now for whatever they're going to do, you know, as far as this journey goes. So I get it. It's a push and a pull. Again, nobody loses anything in this. Being a fan of stardom, I'm good with it either way, but I'm, I'm very surprised. Although now that the title is off of Julia, to me... There's no reason that obviously Mayu Iwatani being the IWGP champion, that should be made for travel, Forbidden Door, uh, whatever show. Again, she should be traveling, no question, no doubt. I think Julia now should be too. I, I, I don't know. I, um, I I need to see, I want to see more exports to build stardom all over the world, and you can't do that unless you send some people out. Yes. And boy, I and again, we all have our favorite. I think Julia should be A-plus number one. I love Utami. I love Tam. I love Mayu. I love Suri. I love Mina. Julia and DDM as a unit, I would send them on a barnstorming tour. They should be first to help try to build things up. She now no longer has a title around her waist. So you can't say that you need her more to defend a title or anything like that. We'll see what the story is. But that's my feeling.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of different uh, things to kind of spider rub off of everything that you just mentioned. You talked about like the idea of Julia and Donna DelMondo barnstorming or the idea of just needing, uh, you know, or I guess selfishly wanting to see more of these wrestlers from stardom uh, traveling like we see, uh, for instance, you know, the wrestlers from Tokyo Joshi Pro doing right now, the schedule in stardom is so intense and it's not like, to this point, so far, it's not really like the, the New Japan-style schedule where, you know, you do a three-week tour, you take a week or two off. Uh, you know, th- there was some talk in an interview with uh, one of the higher-ups on the uh, for Road on the stardom side saying that the goal is to get to that, to do tours that mimic New Japan-style tours. Um, and if you have that, then maybe there's some time off built in. This is now me editorializing. Maybe there's some time off built in between tours where you can send... Uh, wrestlers and more wrestlers uh, than just one or two uh, to do some shows in the States or in Europe or elsewhere. Uh, As far as the match itself and the decision to me, it it came down to, I guess on the bushy road side on the stardom side, you know, do you do the finish that as we talked about last week, the story calls for, which is Julia winning, you know, you go all the way back to, uh, you know, Tam taking her hair uh, in the hair versus hair match it it felt like you know while they've had other matches since then it felt like julia was due this big match win based on the story the other end of it is everything you said about financially where bushi road is and how that factors into stardom and tam's star power for uh uh for lack of better term uh, whether it be merchandise sales uh, the huge push promotional push that they're doing behind Uh, Tam and Nat as Meltier and the album and all of that. And, And the other thing that I don't think is being talked about enough as well is if you're looking at all those things from Bushiroad's standpoint and you're looking at Tam Nakano, who has over the course of the past few years made it no secret that retirement is something that's potentially on her mind sooner rather than later, I can understand the desire to want to strike while the iron is hot with someone that you don't know how long they're going to be around, particularly when you're also in a situation where you just had someone tell you somewhat surprisingly that they were going to retire at, you know, a significantly earlier age than even Tam is at right now. So you can make the argument either way. I get the decision, um, even if from a story standpoint, maybe for some people it wasn't as satisfying as it would have been if Julia won. Um, Tam finally has the red belt now. She can go on a run. Uh, defending that at some point, you know, the Julia story is going to come back around whether it be for the title or not. Um, But yeah, selfishly, I'm just, I'm not going to lie. I love Julia, but I was thrilled to see Tam win this. I didn't expect it. Uh, it, It's again, for someone, we talked about Mina Shirakawa, Tam Nakano to an even greater degree. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast or if you followed her career, like when she first started coming out of, you know, uh, the non wrestling, uh, sort of background that she was in she was a fun character she was not good in the ring at all no and for her to get to the level that she's at where she is a legit top 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 tier in ring wrestler one of the best promos of any wrestler in any country in any promotion in any language and one of the best characters in terms of Having everyone in the orbit around her get pulled up instead of pulled down by her star power. Um, it's It's been one of the most uh, incredible transformations I've seen of any wrestler since I've been watching pro wrestling, which has been longer than I'd care to admit, 35 plus years. And so selfishly, I'm just excited to see this ride continue and see how far she can take it.
1: As long as you've been watching wrestling is as long as Tam has been on the planet. Pretty much, right around, pretty close to it. Deceptively pushing 40 there. And again, I think she's 35, 36 years old.
0: Mid-30s, I believe. Yeah,
1: so, you know, again, with a lot of it you you talk about too. like, And again, you saw, I mean, you know, the Shirai sisters and Kyrie and it was like, no, when she was out there mixing it up with Chardonnay, I, you know, I, I, I would not have expected it. But you obviously, dark
0: tam and Oedo to high. Yeah, this
1: then—that's right. Absolutely not. Oh my god, yeah. Oh my god, but so. How about she, the match
0: itself? The match was awesome. Let's yeah, well, not- yeah.
1: That's the thing is, they no matter what happens here, you know, we're going to have another match between the two because they have nothing but great matches they are arguably each other's best matches probably oh, their best doubt. feuds i mean they, they have to be so i thought the match was awesome again high levels of violence everything that you would expect uh you know thankfully there were no throws off of the uh the the rampway onto chairs but there didn't have <laughs> to be that was a big concern of yours and rightfully
0: so going into this match. Oh, yeah, I swear to God, because
1: of- <laughs> it's such a cartoonish thing, and I'm not a big fan of anybody in any promotion doing the long-running knee, although – Fans love it live, so you just have to accept it. You know when they go all the way up to ramp and then they well, run goes all down. The way back
0: to, to great muda matches in the nineties, yes. Tokyo.
1: And well, and again because he was, it was such a visual, and again it's so ridiculous, but it was muda. And then he, would you know, either jump over the ropes and and kill someone, or run and kick him in the face or knee him. And that's well, the what,
0: best was the best was the match with Chono, which I believe it aired on the WCW New Japan Super Show two or three, I can't recall which where he hits like the running clothesline, the full length of the ramp rolls through with the momentum and it takes him like face first into the rope and all in one motion. He goes from being completely face painted to all the face paint being gone. I love it. I love it. But that was the spot where I thought,
1: she was going to go ass over a tea kettle and it was going to be Julia. that was going to, she was going to like somehow just flip her up and she'd go flying into the crowd or something like that. That yeah. didn't happen. But then again, when you have as many head butts as you had in this type of match <laughs> and so many slaps to the point of the chin into the, again, they, they were, they gave you everything that you would have expected out of those two. And uh, then some, and then and some, and again, and it was, and you know, the thing was to, even if you take the head butts out and obviously they didn't do again the match itself for not doing anything crazy or anything that was as insane as we've seen in other matches it was just it was just really good
0: it was really good, and it still felt as hate filled as any of their other matches you know and it's and it's not even just this match. you think about uh, in the weeks leading up to this, the brawls they had uh the punches uh the the hard way or maybe not the hard way on the cut but the the initial cut but then the punches from julia and the press conference opening the cut more and more the headbutt that caused a, a, a nasty immediate hematoma i believe in the uh uh the kyoto kbs hall show leading up to uh this is to so nasty show. So. just disgusting and immediate um but but to your point there wasn't quite as much as, I think, particularly coming off of the Julia, Maya, Ukihi match with some of those absolutely terrifying spots where you wondered if they were going to survive, uh, like the, uh, the, the whatever it was, the pile driver, the backdrop and the edge of the table, that sort of stuff. You didn't have quite as much of that as you necessarily would have expected in this match, but you had the hate. Like, this reminded me in a different way, and, like, people will think I'm weird for saying this, but I don't care. This, to me, reminded me of... In some ways, what is like my favorite street fight of all time, Doom against Barry Windham and Arn Anderson from Star K 90, where you didn't have, you know, obviously you didn't have back then you're not having tables or light tubes or gusset plates or anything like that. But just the the violence on a basic level made it seem so much more hateful than if you brought all the props in. Like when Julie and Tam were on the top rope and you had those wild short but hard, almost uncooperative-looking punches back and forth. Yeah. Like, I'll take that over any table spot or light tube or anything when you're talking about making you believe in the in the moment, in the match, like these two people hate each other and want to kill each other. And I can't recall a feud, and, and obviously this match carried that out, in, in recent years that's had that level of believable hate on a kayfabe level that makes you wonder a little bit. Uh, like Julia and Tam not going continue to have.
1: So I'm so disappointed that Texas death matches in a traditional way have gone away because not only this match, but Sayuri and Chihiro Shimoda was the same way. It was a death match because two people wanted to beat the crap out of each other until one was dead. It wasn't about Thanks. light tubes or any of that other stuff, as you mentioned. And there is a place for that at certain times and certain places. But I like seeing a fight where okay, somebody's got to try to get up after the count of 10 and continue. You know what I mean? Or how many falls until you can't go anymore? Like those two matches were made for that type of stipulation. I know that's kind of now they're Iron Man matches or they go and manipulate them in different ways. But that's why that old style, Dory Funk Sr., Dory Funk Jr., Terry Funk, that style of Texas death match, was awesome, and those are the types of matches that it was made for, and I thought it was, again, I liked Hashimoto and Suiri more, but this was number two for me, and I look forward to more. I don't know exactly what the plan is going to be, other than I'm pretty sure we're going to come back with this. We'll see. We'll We'll see exactly what their plan is. You can put this match in... Calgary, Toronto, Chicago, London, you could put it anywhere and with minimal explanation and people are going to jump around to it. So I again, I don't know what the grand plan is. I didn't see much of the presser afterwards. I've saw the new blood announcements and some things after it, but I don't I'll be interested to see what they do with both women and exactly how long they stay away. Because, man, again, we talked about it. I thought the Julia title matches so far were perfect, not only for a long reign, but I thought they were perfect opponents for her. So now that that's stopped, again, we'll, we'll see what we have moving forward.
0: Yeah, I guess the if there is a silver lining, as far as from the Julia perspective, her losing the title, that means that like her big, long, epic reign isn't happening now which means we're not going to be at a point where that rain ends. And then we're like, okay, what next? There's really nothing left for well, her to and, do and now. You know
1: so now everybody's not looking at December going, okay,
0: they'll check the watch. Here we yes. go with the of December title change. Exactly. That to me is one of the most important things coming out of this show is that it feels like anything can happen. It doesn't feel like we're on the same track we've been for like the last four years where, you know there's going to be a, and there will be, but where you know there's going to be a big match that's kind of been billed to all year coming in December, and between X date and the end of the year, all the other title matches are just, you know, are sort of foregone conclusions. Nothing right now in stardom uh, going forward feels like a foregone conclusion, and I think that's a, a real positive. Uh, you mentioned some of the announcements. The biggest thing coming up, we talked about it a, a little bit as we went through each of the matches on the, uh, in the most recent big show, but here... Uh, May 4th, Fukuoka, as we talked about, Mina Shirakawa against Natsupoi for the Wonder of Stardom title. Mirai and Ami Sore defending the goddesses of Stardom tag team titles against Suzuki and Koguma, former champions there. Uh, High-speed title, Azumi and Sarah. Incredibly hyped for that off the interaction that we saw between them in the tag match we just talked about. And the other noteworthy match on the show, or one of the other noteworthy matches on the show, Julia and Micah. Against Utami Hayashishida and Saya kamitani I just had a uh, moment. Okay. No, nothing. I just had a moment thinking of
1: how awesome that match is going <laughs> to be. I love that match on paper, boy.
0: Yes. Yes. That who knows? That that kind of has time limit draw written all over it, but it if does. it is
1: <laughs> Oh totally man, you had to violent. crap
0: right on it. Oh man. <laughs> It'll be a great way to spend fifteen to twenty minutes. I'm not complaining, regardless of the finish. As long as it's not a count-out. Uh, but no. <laughs> uh, the other real noteworthy match on the show, to some extent, is Starlight Kid and Ruaka taking on uh, Tam Nakano and Sal So again, we're seeing more of Sal in stardom going forward. Uh, they did announce uh, a bunch of other shows, uh, smaller shows, uh, including uh, in the Osaka Second Arena. Uh, non-title. I guess it would be non-title because she's not one of the champions. But it's Tam Nakano. Natsupoy and Ano against Mayu Iwatani, Hazuki, and Koguma. Uh, also, Julia and uh, Thekla against Suzu Suzuki and May Sarah on that same show. So those, that's kind of one of the main things to look out for. And then, as you mentioned, Mike, New Blood Eight with Tam Nakano against Tam Nakano in the main event.
1: I almost at like three o'clock in the morning or whatever it was that they released that <laughs> in I almost sent you. The picture of Tam on action and the stuff from the press conference—I was howling, howling! And oh, the goodness. fact that people did not know who now Shikao was—it's like I, I, I was—I I thought that was hilarious. So it, it that that was great. Although my high point of watching all of that was actually, of course, nobody should be shocked about this, the Inaba sisters laying out Hanan during the press conference with with the double karate chop action or the double fist action into the gut. Uh, Of course, the way they filmed it, Suzu kind of missed hers. But that's all right. Her sister landed hers, or uh, Tomoka uh, missed hers, but uh azusa i believe her name is uh hit yeah. hers and, and dropped hanan so we have the anaba sisters that will be facing hanan and hina
0: yes judo versus karate yes is the uh is the story here is it's tomoka anaba of jto who we've seen a ton of in stardom and hopefully she goes full time there sometime soon her sister azusa anaba uh, and they take on hanan and hina uh, so, yeah, that's on the new blood front. Uh, also, my Sakurai and Chan Yoda against Suzu Suzuki and Mei Sarah on that show. Uh, also, the uh, uh, we've got the Nai Takahashi, another passion infusion match against Ruaka. Miyu Amasaki against Momo Watanabe in another of uh, Miyu Amasaki's trial series. How this long this-
1: have this, has that been going
0: on? A long time, pretty much since uh, Miyu debuted last year, and she's been on and off shows. Now I guess it's finally starting to pick up seams since she's able to wrestle more regularly. Um, And then we've got, yeah, Future of Stardom title, which it feels weird for Ami Sore as one half of the tag team champions to still have the future title. Uh, She takes on Rena, and uh, the semi-main event on the show, Starlight Kid and Karma, that being the alter ego of Haruka Umasaki defending the New Blood Tag Team titles against Lady C and the very, very young, still so in the first weeks of her career, Hanako. So that's the uh, the next New Blood show. I don't know if that's going to be a pay-per-view or a YouTube show. Uh, I know that most of the shows have been YouTube, so uh, I guess time will, uh, time will tell there. Uh, the only other interesting thing I found about that is that we've got now Ishikawa as the... Fake Tam Nakano, uh, whereas uh, some of the the rumors had been that she was going to be coming in uh, and uh, to be a new member of Donna Del Mondo. So I guess that's something to kind of put a pin in and see where that goes. It's a,
1: it's a beat the Tam, get the get the Tam beaten out of her, and it, yes, it's, you know, then <laughs> you recycle yourself and uh, and deal with Thecla as uh, as you join yes. DDM. So well, yet again, we've talked about you know possible shakeups and. Again, uneven units right now, and then the possibility of, again, it's such a huge rush. It's another thing, too, with sending people away. We had a way tie, for the most part, in, in you know, the brand-new stable that they're pushing in Club Venus, all in a pre-show match. You have so many women. You talk to, you know, Heen Arena is 16 years old. You know, and again, you have so many people at so many different levels where I understand... The cost, but there is a cost of doing business, and I'm not in their pockets, I'm not in their boardrooms, I'm not in their booking sheets, I don't know what their crystal ball is telling them and what their plans are, but I can tell you, as somebody that's been following wrestling now for most of their 47 years on this earth, including you know, very, very closely here for the last 20 years, You need to do more than rely on the lion and the reputation and hope that word of mouth gets people over to you. It is a very, very competitive field. New Japan's got a much bigger and better advantage than stardom. I think stardom is going to continue to grow almost no matter what they do, but at some point that's going to plateau, and when it does, you know— uh, to me by forbidden door and then looking into like towards September like you have got to figure out a way to assimilate yourself in you've got to figure out a way to use AEW as a shoulder to lean on if not to put people on your cards and to work with to shadow weekends and get people over here and get them on shows maybe uh, find somebody let rocky tell you who people can feel comfortable with? Zack Saber Junior is working a GCW show. I'm not saying that's the answer, but is oh, West Impact. Coast Pro is Impact I, I, is somebody, I mean, and no, and more than just Impact because you're exactly right. But I tell you what, on some of those weekends on West Coast and like where that's going to get you more attention than Impact will. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. For sure.
0: And it's one of those things where, again, the the parameters are different because Stardom is running so many shows in Japan that if they want to have all their top stars on all those shows, it's very difficult to send people over. But the result of that, which may be unavoidable, is that you've got a promotion in Tokyo Joshi Pro, which is nowhere near the quality top to bottom of a card that Stardom has. And their best wrestlers are very good, but their best wrestlers aren't to the level of the top five wrestlers in Sardom. I don't think as much as I love Yuka Sakazaki and Miyu Yamashita uh, and Rika Tatsumi well, um, and be Shoko real Nakajima, they're all very good, but they're not to the level of, of top Sardom stars, but they're coming over here all the time. And to the U S audience, they are much more familiar with those people. And I guarantee you, Even among, like, hardcore American indie fans, a lot more of them know who Mio Yamashita is at this point than Julia, where it feels like it should be the reverse. See, I was going to say Maki Ito. I think she's the
1: greatest example because, and I'm sorry, I know some people think she's God's gift. Maki Ito's a big gimmick to me, and I like her to a certain extent. But she has improved the, a
0: lot in wrestling.
1: She it's has, good, but team. you look at the entire stardom roster that was on the cover of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, that has gotten, you know, X amount of attention, as much attention as you can get, and it's like, I bet you there's still people that know Maki Ito more, and that's not even counting oh. the fact that she was on AEW. It's just the Absolutely. fact that she's been on every indie and she's in your face all the time. And they've done a great job of social media. There are things that stardom does great there are other things that they do very poorly and it's not just them and it's again there american companies trying to thrive in japan almost impossible to do for different reasons japanese promotions thriving in the united states beginning to think that's impossible too that they can only make it to a certain level because somebody has got to be embedded here and somebody has got to be trusted enough when they say hey we need to build our visibility. We need to figure out a battle plan on how to do that as we continue to grow in Japan. Like, that's a conversation that, to me, on the outside, needs to be had here because, as a close follower and watching this, I don't know. You know, again, if you're not going to do anything, you're just going to rely on this is our work and this is what we do. And this is okay, cool. You know, that's going to help Japan. I don't think it's going to help you here.
0: I guess, yeah, and it all depends on what the goals are. Like we've talked about before, a lot of times, I mean, it's it's obvious and it should be that Japan is first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and tenth on the priority list as it should be. Um, and if, if the priority for the U.S. is just, well, we open it up so that people can see it and the people that want to find it will find it. And we'll be happy with that extra sort of ancillary income that comes from that, then that's fine. And if that's your only goal, then that's what you're doing. And that then that's, you know, that's what it is. But if your goal is to do more, then, you know, then you have to do more. And I think the only reason that that we're both stressing it so much is that they are at a level right now that not many promotions from an in-ring perspective uh, from a momentum perspective, from a depth of talent perspective, all up and down the card across generations, they're at a level that very few promotions ever get to. And so it's just, you know, you want to see that taken as far as it can possibly go. So, yeah, needless to say, because it's being
1: built on because, you know what, we went through it's been about a year and a half that people really have been on this train and really hyping it up. You know, as far as as far as attention, I shouldn't say really hyping it up, but as far as the attention being more than just shows like this and people like us, where Filthy Tom is forcing Brian into talking about it, and it's leading off news shows and it's leading off. Jim Coronet,
0: Jim Coronet is reviewing Mayu Iwatani versus Mercedes Monet on uh, on his next podcast. I I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I will no, I don't just think it's a good thing. But it's
1: a thing it is it's a which again again, it shows you again, no matter what he says about it, it doesn't matter. The fact is that's where we're at in its cycle, and I just don't i am we're to me we're at a little bit more of a tipping point than than I think people believe right now when it comes to making sure that that just doesn't dip again or in that you're able to maintain momentum we'll see. Maybe I'm being too bearish on things, but I, you know, I, I have this with New Japan all the time. When it comes to to growing them here, it's just now we're into we're going into May, and it's like, uh, uh, all right, I, I don't know, I, I'm I'm I. It won't matter to me and for most of the people listening because even if they don't grow here in the States, I'm still going to watch them. I'm still going to love the product and all that sort of stuff. I just want to see them make as much money as they can and get as much spotlight visibility is because, because again, there's nobody else out there either. You know, you know, there's no shimmer and Noah ain't going to do it. And that's it. And nobody else has got the ability to do it. And and the the pro wrestling eaves and the other promotions that are out there, again, they don't have the resources that stardom does. So, We'll see. Again, I am I am very bullish for a lot of things, stardom. I, I have concerns being a fan based in the States on what their plan is for the Western market and how they continue to grow. Hearing that they had to be talked into doing English commentary on the Pacific Rim show did not make me feel good. <laughs> Cause again, you don't even need Chris Charlton. You could uh, yeah, I think you do need Chris Charlton, no, but you like do let's need just Chris say Charl- let's just say having three people. That you look that would almost gladly probably there's people out there that would do it for free. So just give them the Internet line that they need and and let them do the damn commentary. You need English commentary in the States. And believe me, I was one of the people and so was Adam that could sit here and tell you we didn't need English commentary for New Japan. Well, guess what? other people did and what it's been proven is it worked and it was very important to do so for every fan that's out there that's just going to watch it like us that's cool you need like five of us you know you need more wrestling fans you need more mainstream fans but certainly more wrestling fans in north america know who the hell these people are and actually care about them and want to see them
0: yeah no and I, i i agree i think again it all it all boils down to what the goals are Um, and you know, if, you know, at a bean counter level, if the juice is worth a squeeze and I mean, as a fan, I think we all hope that that will be the case. Uh, needless to say, this was an awesome show. This was my show of the year and, uh, good news. If you are a subscriber to stardom world, or if you want to check it out, the show, I believe as of last night is now up on stardom world. Uh, as part of the regular subscription. So it's, uh, it's worth going out of your way to watch the opener. Like we said, great last four matches. Incredible. Uh, If you're a new Japan fan that fell in love with those great G one shows or those, you know, the Russell kingdom shows where you just had great different match after great different match after great different match. And you're looking for something to give you that same feeling again, could not do much better than, uh, you know, than checking out this show. So with that, uh, we are, like, almost two hours into this show, so there's not a whole lot else that we're going to have time to talk about. However, uh, New Japan did have a big show in Hiroshima today. Uh, it will probably not be on a lot of people's radar because there is no live English-language commentary. We're coming up on, on uh, Wrestling Dontaku next week in Fukuoka. But some really good stuff on this show, Hiromu Takahashi and Yoshinobu Kanamaru. Junior heavyweight title. Very different match, uh, which you would expect, uh, I guess, with Kanemaru. Slower paced, built really well. Uh, Hiromu eventually gets to win with Time Bomb 2. Uh, we also had a title change, as we teased earlier. Junior tag team champions Kushida and Kevin Knight. Uh, I believe that makes Kevin Knight the first uh, of the new current version of the L.A. Dojo, guys, to win a major Japanese New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, you know, actual IWGP title, uh, them becoming the junior tag champs, defeating Francesco uh, Akira and TJP. A very good match. There are a few moments where it almost felt like they were going too fast, but it didn't hurt it. It was still really good. TJP got busted open bad, but it didn't slow him down at all. Uh, And eventually the double team Uh, roll through into the flying DDT for Kevin Knight on Francesco Akira. got the title win there. Uh, Also, Tetsuya Naito and Doki from this show, really, really fun. Um, It was one of those where you could tell it was someone that Naito wanted to work with, wanted to give a ton to, even though it was a heavyweight versus junior match. And so uh, that was very good. We've also got coming up uh, this weekend, we've got the tag team title match. Uh, is coming up soon with uh, TMDK. Wait, is the tag title match set this weekend or is that at Wrestling Dontaku? I actually don't have that in front of me. I should have that in front of me. Um, no, that is coming up on the 29th. That's coming up this weekend. Main event, uh, Kagoshima Arena, Aussie Open, and TMDK. Actually, the semi-main, the main event is Shingo Takagi and Taichi uh, for the KOPW title. Got a DM
1: from somebody that was watching the show live. <laughs> as soon as the uh, Best of the Super Junior blocks were announced Kevin Knight and Kushida are winning, and then a little bit later on, yeah, you know, when I yeah, you know, <laughs> there it was where it was like, see, I told you they were winning. <laughs> you know, I was they did announce, and we'll get to that too. They announced the best of the super junior uh blocks and locations and dates and all that sort of stuff. But I thought it was a really good match. Like you mentioned, there was, you know, there were times where it was like again, it wasn't perfect, but it was really, really good. And I Akira and TJP uh, they're not going to get the credit that they deserve as a team because there's just been so much stuff. There's so much stuff that always happens. But, again, it's like we talk about with a lot of things. Somebody's going to be looking back at some shows like 10 years from now watching Akira and TJP going, jeez. Man, they had some really good matches. What a run! Maybe we should put together a comp of of Akira yes. TJP matches. And again, 100%. really, really good. I don't know if Kashida and Kevin Knight are long for those titles. I could see them easily coming over and losing them on Impact to Chris Bay and and Ace Austin or something like that. I have a feeling with Kevin Knight with those belts again. You know, a feather in the cap of the LA Dojo and the fact that those guys, you know, whether they be natives or foreigners are all somehow in a mix. You know, they were able to assimilate those guys in and they are established. And Kevin Knight in a great spot with Kushida. We've hyped him up. He he brings something different to the junior heavyweight division. And if he's going to be a regular there, I am all for it. I love the new Japan junior heavyweight division. I always love it a lot more than their bookers and their, (laughs) you know, the attention that they give it, especially when it comes to the tag division. But I thought it was a really great match in Hiromu and Kanemaru, No wheel reinvention there. Probably didn't have to go a half hour, but I'm sure they wanted to build up some drama, give people something... Uh, knowing pretty damn well that Kanemaru was not going to win that match. So Hiromu gets the victory. I have a feeling whoever we get out of this Best of the Super Junior, if it is if it is not Hiromu, which, you know, it can be since he is in Block A, if it's not him winning this whole thing and then trying to make a call for, for uh, January 4th or something like that, I would safely assume that his next uh, big opponent is coming out of this.
0: Yeah, as far as the junior title defense, I would say that's a safe bet. He does have the match coming up at Wrestling Dantaku in the main event for the IWGP World Heavyweight title uh, against Sonata. But as far yeah. as the junior division, 100%. Uh, quickly, the blocks as they've been announced, uh, and I certainly find Block A more interesting than Block B. Block A, Kushida, Ryusuke Taguchi, who I... Oh, come I, on. I, you want Tiger can't Mask? can I can't anymore, through Yusuke The uh, it's just it's gone too far with all the, the trunk stuff. I'm just I'm, I, I can't I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Thankfully. Leo Rush, Doki, Hiromo Takahashi, Teton as the lone CMLL representative. I was hoping we'd see someone uh, a bit more off the beaten path in addition to Teton, but happy to have Teton in. TJP, Taiji Ishimori, show. And then the big surprise, the most exciting thing about this tournament as far as the announcement, Speedball Mike Bailey in Block A. That was pretty cool, one
1: of the last names. In fact, I think he may have been the last name announced, and I did like the way they had the graphics. It was like a video game with those faces that were going in the blocks. I thought it was excellent. And by the way, another name that you mentioned in Block A, Doki, should not be uh, forgotten about on this show against Tetsuya Naito, loses to the Destino they put on a really great match, and Naito did a great job for him. Again, this if this was Doki's gold watch, I'm, I mean, cool. I, I, what a good match. And I thought Shingo and Bushi before that against Sonata and Taichi was also very good. But I do want to mention that Doki has had a great year and has had a, a yes. really good run. And this match with Naito, again, nothing... Nothing special. You don't have to rush to go out of your way to see it, but I was really happy for Doki. I thought it ended up being great, and I think Leo Rush is going to win Block A.
0: Yeah, Block A is wide open. You look at everyone in it. Like I'm just thrilled when you look at this that we're going to get matches with Speedball against Ishimori, TJP, Teton, Teton Romo, yeah. Doki, Leo Rush, Kushida. Those are all going to be great, all going to be completely different um, and, yeah, your point about Doki, I would almost be shocked if at some point in the next three years and maybe on the on the early side of that time frame, if he's not in a best of the super junior final, uh, if not winning it. I'd be very surprised if we don't see him factoring uh, into the later days of this tournament uh, more than he has in the past. Block B, El Desperado, Yo, Masaruato, Kevin Knight, who I, I'm with you, I love. It's a little weird that he's a junior because he's, like, bigger than everybody. Kind of like Alex Zane last year, but it is what it is. Uh, Yoshinobu Kanamaro, Bushi, Robbie Eagles, Francesco Akira, Dan Maloney, who apparently at some point joined United Empire. I guess it must have happened in Rev Pro because I certainly didn't see it. And Bullet Club's Clark Connors, which I am anxiously awaiting, seeing if this is going to be a Bullet Club Clark Connors, who's just doing all the Bullet Club tropes, or if this is just going to be a harder-edged Clark Connors that still has mostly clean matches like we see with his, uh, his Bullet Club counterpart, Taiji Ishimori.
1: What happened to, what happened to our, our boy in, uh, in United Empire there? The, uh, the very fashionable and, and handsome, uh, management fellow there uh what was his name why am i oh, brain locking god
0: now? the the yeah I gideon right and gray mistress. gideon <laughs> and gray where the hell is gideon gray he's exactly. getting over so much doing those ring entrances <laughs> almost as a baby face and then he's just yeah he's been gone yeah so sorry
1: i forgot your name there homie it's just you know that that's believe me that's more on me uh than it than it is on you with my brain waves right now but uh yeah i guess dan maloney taking his spot, I guess, for the time being, uh, he's going to be the junior,
0: <laughs> at least in the, I don't know if he's going to be the manager, the hapless manager, but he's at least going to take the, take the junior spot. So, I mean, it's a big opportunity for him
1: be a huge. So I, you know, that was a little bit of a surprise again. They, they announced his name a little bit before Bailey's there, you know, at the end, uh, when they were announcing the names there, but, uh, you know, I would love to see Robbie Eagles come out of this. Cause you know, I love Robbie Eagles, but You know it could go in a lot of different directions, and if I think Leo Rush is winning Block A because I think it sets up him and Hiromu again, and I think that's a match that people are interested in, no matter where you are, and I think people would buy even if they don't think Rush is going to win, but you give him a victory over Hiromu, or you know, and then goes on and and maybe you know finishes a little bit ahead of Mike Bailey, that could set up something here in the states too, and then it's it just to me is a matter of who he defeats and. You know, when you're looking over there, you know, I would love to see Clark Connors go on a great run here and not have a bunch of Bullet Club bullshit outside interference and, and jack himself up. Because you look at the names that are there, he could run through most of those names if he wanted him to. You know, you could. That's a actually, wide open block. Yeah, as I mean, you, to block you, could, it. you could really make a case for anybody in that thing, even right down to a Watto. I'm not saying anybody would believe it, but you could you can easily state your case with the people that are there on how you can get to. 10 points or 12 points in 14 points and get yourself a victory. I'll say it's yo, you know, that way it's Leo rush against yo and you get a, a battle of partners. And I think that again, could be a great story with, okay, is it going to be yo and Horomo or Leo and Haromo? You could do something like that. If you wanted to go with a more sinister way to go ahead and do things, You know, put Desperado in there or have Francesco Akira be a big surprise and weasel his way and somehow split the difference with some guys taking losses in the last two days. And he comes out on top of the thing. I don't think that that's a the worst idea in the world either. I know, I guess, on paper that, you know, do you want the finals to be, you know, Leo Rush and Akira and and having them be two outsiders and all that? And to me, I say, yeah, sure. Why the hell not?
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of different directions that could go in block B to me. The only acceptable uh, guys, particularly because you're going to be, you know, it's going to be main eventing a pretty big show. You're going to want to you know, bring people in. To me, it's Desperado or Yo have to come out of block B, whereas block A, you know, obviously you could say Hiromu. That's, you know, I mean, if you want to draw, that's that's what you do. But there's a lot more palatable Is Desperado names. Desperado and
1: Hiromu too boring?
0: It's never boring for me. <laughs> uh, maybe people would think, oh, they've done it too many too times. Too many times, but, yeah. It's, it's the safe route. I mean, I given everything else that's happened in New Japan this year, I don't think they're going to go the safe route or the predictable route as far as what the final will be. I mean, I could very easily see it being Desperado against Leo Rush or Mike Bailey in the final. Um, I would love to see. To me, the, the, the match I most want to see as the final is Doki and El Desperado.
1: I would love that. I would love that. To me, the only thing that you can't do is have Hiromu win. I, I just, yeah. it, it to me... I'm it, with you. And, 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 and they could. And they oh, could. they very well could. <laughs> because, it, again, if you are... You're looking at this as he's the dominant... Again, there's... Uh, there, you could come up with a lot of reasons if you wanted to, that Hiromu could win the thing. I just, I don't think after what three of the last four or whatever it is. And again, that, that also is a reason that if it's Desperado in the final, again, does he lose it again to a Leo rush? Do you even bother then to put him in that final instead of somebody like a, a, a yo who could either again, win or lose against whoever you wanted to put in there, you know? Cause again, we had Desperado last year in this spot with Romo and it was a great match and all that, but we've already, again, we just had that last year too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I, it would be great, but I wouldn't mind if we get a break from it uh, for uh, for a little bit, much like we're going to have to pretty quickly have a break from recording this here podcast because it's been going on for two hours. The only other note I have, Mike, is just something we touched on on last week's show, how nervous and unsure of what the rules of tag team professional wrestling were. Uh, I guess that's the best way i describe uh, Bolton Olag in his debut at Corican Hall, his, his official debut. He looked and has looked much better on the two televised matches he's had since then. Uh, the 10-minute time limit draw with Riohei Oiwa at uh, at Corican Hall was really good. And it's also noteworthy that for a guy who's a generation behind Oiwa in terms of Young Lions... They went to a time limit draw. Oyewa didn't beat him. It's the same thing we saw in the three-minute exhibition. And then here on the show today, Great O'Connor and Aaron Hanari against Oscar Loeb and Oleg Bolton, Bolton Oleg, whatever you want to call him, uh, usually you would always have the young lion whose debut the most recently, meaning the young lion with the least experience, would drop the fall. Again, that did not happen here. Oscar was submitted by Hanare's full Nelson, not Bolin Oleg. So it's just something to keep an eye on, as we've talked about. Just looking at him, knowing his his legit background, it would feel strange to watch that guy lose falls for like three years, and it seems like they're going a little different direction than the normal young lion trajectory. Uh, at least small scale with him so far. If these first few matches are an indication,
1: he's going to have a high profile match on January fourth, guaranteed. Whether it's a, a tag match with somebody or it's a one on one, it is going to be a notable affair. I'm calling that right now. That he's, I like it. He's too good. He's too good. And again, you got a lot of names, and he's very green. And you, but I. There are too many easy ways to assimilate this guy into the mix if you so chose, you know, and there's going to be some, you know, damage, collateral damage that goes
0: along with it. But great Okan would be a guy when you think about his background, the the little bit of them in this match on the the opening match from today's show in Hiroshima, their mat work. Yeah. Hook that into my veins. I was salivating. Give him
1: a partner of repute so he could face Ocon and Cobb and be thrown right into the lines because physically he can handle it. Obviously well, the, you got to see if he, you know, the psychology and all that sort of stuff, but it feels good right now. And he's one of those guys that it's like, you might as well throw him. You're already kind of, you you're threatening to throw him into the deep end. Just go ahead and throw him into the deep end. I think he's going to be all right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I certainly we've talked about it for years, how ready we are for somebody it almost doesn't matter who, but for them to pick somebody and put them on a different trajectory from the normal young lion path, uh, and with his his size, his legitimacy, and the potential, even though like you said, he's very green, like I can't think of a I can't think of a better candidate. It's a shame, in one sense, that Yuji Nagata right now is the triple crown champion and is spending the majority of his time in all Japan because that's the guy I would have Bolton Oleg attached to the hip of for the next couple of years.
1: And I I don't want to belabor this point because we are along in this. And we talked about it last week with the fact that chaos, as much as they could use names thrown in there, it just just seems to be like, it's the old locker room guys who hang out and you see the videos of them all together in the little that they do now, when it comes to that sort of stuff with chaos, but like put them there. Put him there and have he's with Ishii, he's with Oka all the and he doesn't have to again, he can team with Ishii and mix it up with TMDK and mix it up with Okan and, and Cobb and or O'Kan and Hanare. And and you know, again, you then then you have the reason to have him in there with evil and with, with show. So he gets more experience and works with guys or with evil and togo sort of thing. You know, so he can get more experience with guys and Togo can take the loss or Yujiro can take the loss. Like that's where him somehow being assimilated into a group would be perfect. And unfortunately, yeah, Nagata's not there. So you can't do the Nagata, Nakanishi, Tenzan. Like to me, you need all those old guy, Kojima, you need all the old guys together to make something like that work. And if you're if you don't have that, then he's got to be attached to another group. And I think again, chaos would make sense because it doesn't do any damage and you can almost do a comedic reason in like Okada's case that he's even around or something like that but it gives him some protection and can again it force you can force feed him into different situations that way
0: and he has been at least originally was going to be booked on some of these shows teaming with Toru Yano so I guess that would lend some credence to that my off the wall idea for him would be put that dude in just five guys make it just six guys but don't just have them hanging out in the ring with them. I want that dude training at the Just Tap Out Dojo with Takama Shinoku because we talk about all the time how quickly they turn people who have just debuted into really freaking good professional wrestlers like yeah. Micah, Tomoka Inaba, just as a few examples. Uh, get them around that environment. There's so many different ways you could go. Get them, get them in the ring with Shibata as much as possible. Get him across uh, the ring from Minoru Suzuki and Despi. Yes. Yes. A you lot know? of different ideas. Uh,
1: and and, and, if nothing and else, six mans with Shoto Umino. Cause again, he's older, so he's not going to be there as long, but he fits into the same categories in Umino anyway. So it's like, uh, again, you know, the more he's mixing it up with those guys it only benefits, you know, only benefits,
0: you know, him really. Yeah. I mean, it is. When you look at the different types of wrestlers that are in new Japan right now, all the guys you mentioned, and that doesn't even talk about Zack Sabre jr. Like if you are there and you are getting to wrestle different uh, different guys every night, which you don't necessarily always see in New Japan, but if they went that route with Bolton Oleg, man, talk about fast tracking a guy who has all the, you know, the natural gifts and the the legit credible athletic background, you know, there, there's something to work with there for sure.
1: Boy, um, I appreciate you working with me here as I babbled along for the last two hours here. Again, I was all fired up. I was excited about the Stardom Show. I was happy about the Stardom Show, but I also have concerns, Adam. You know I'm like this sometimes.
0: I do. I do know that it be that way sometimes with you, as I now feel incredibly old for using that uh, terminology. But, yes, we should wrap it up. And as we do, as we always do, we'll tell you about the other things each of us have going in my case, that's the Wrestling at Random podcast, random.com. It's the show I do each and every week with our close longtime personal friend, Jeremy Deemer. On the free feed at random.com, we are in a break between season four and season five. However, during that break, we have new episodes still going up every single week exclusively at our Patreon, Patreon.com slash WrestlingAtRandom. Brand new exclusive content there. And to give you an idea of what people choose for us to watch on the Patreon, where we have people on the Intentionalizer tier, uh, where they choose for us to watch things instead of it being randomly chosen. This week's show, which just went up a couple hours ago, one of our patrons chose for us to watch several matches from France in 1968 and 1969, including a match with a young Athletic Andre the Giant, who in 1968 takes three Hurricane <laughs> Hurricanranas. <laughs> Jean Ferrer. Uh, it's insane against uh, Fran somebody. I can't remember. I have to go back and look at my notes. Uh, Le Petit Prince is on this show doing helicopter head scissors. <laughs> it is like when I say out of this world, it feels like something beamed in from another universe. We've watched stuff from the 60s before for that podcast. And it is not like this. You are seeing moves and things that you would see only in the last few years. You are seeing guys do in 1968 and 1969. So that's just an example uh, of the different type of stuff we'll review. The week prior, we had a curated list of Rob Van Dam matches that people (laughs) chose for us. Uh, the week before that, we had the IWA Japan King of the Deathmatch Legendary Tournament from 1995. That's all on the Patreon. But like I said, if you've never listened to the podcast before, go to WrestlingAtRandom.com or search wrestling at random wherever you get your podcasts. And there are probably upwards of 120, 130 free episodes that you've never heard that you can check out today.
1: I will not drag everything out, and, and with all the different stuff that I do, the only thing I'm going to hype today is The Wrestling News, which you can find at com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. If you have an Alexa, you could tell it. Play The Wrestling News podcast. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook, at Wrestling News AV. Between 5 and 15 minutes every day, average, usually about – eight, nine minutes, give you all the news, all the news, all the news that you need to know in professional wrestling every single morning, seven days a week, free, usually up by about, at the latest, usually about 9 a.m. every morning, both in pod forum and also on YouTube as well. Just go to the Arcadian Vanguard uh, YouTube page and you can look through all of our archives there. Like I said, Free Daily news every day. There is no rumor. There is no conjecture. There is no analysis. There's no nothing except for the news and results that you need to know that have happened. Did WWE get sued by somebody? Was there anything that happened of note in the Champions Carnival? As you can tell on this show, not really yet. We'll get to them next show. Okay, I promise about that. But if you're looking for the results on that pretty much every day, they're going to be in the wrestling news. Like I said, Free, fast, get you what you need to know, get you over to your favorite podcasts like the Wrestling Observer Radio with Dave and Brian or to Voices of Wrestling or to John and Way or to wherever it is where you want a deeper and a longer analysis on Monday Night Raw or Dynamite or any of that sort of stuff. Just get you the basics to get you there. So WrestlingNews.com, love doing it. Give it a shot if you're not already. And for those who are listening, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Yes, and I 100% agree and endorse the wrestling news. As I say all the time, it's the best way to get all the wrestling news without having to put up with everything else about wrestling that Mm. infects the internet. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to get fired today. So, for Adam Summers, I'm Mike Sempervivi. Should I say we shall talk to you again after a while? It seems appropriate. We shall talk to you again after a while.